Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. What is up, Red Shirts Fantasy Football listeners? Welcome back into the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Fellas, what a week it has been. Um, Since we last talked to the listeners, which was last Monday, Mm -hmm. um, we have made big-time moves with the podcast, with the website, joining a new team. We got to spend a few minutes just let the people know what's going on. Um, Man, so listen, if you were on Twitter, you saw the hype video come out. We are joining forces with Ball Blast Fantasy Football. Really excited to join uh, Kate and Michelle Majuk, uh, good friends, now business partners of the Mm -hmm. show here. Two podcasts, one team. John Okada, break it down for the listeners. What can we expect from Ball Blast Football in 2020 and beyond? All kinds of goodness Mm -hmm. is what we can expect. Listen, we have basically taken one of the hottest up-and-coming podcasts in Ball Blast and probably the smartest trio of podcasters on the planet in the red shirts. Not, you know, I just tell it how it is. (laughs) And combine them into one team. That, that, it's like... I don't know. It's like taking the Hulk's strength and the Flash's speed, which are different universes of superheroes, by the way, and smashing them together in some kind of unforeseen and incredible amalgamation of greatness. And it basically so saying, can't be touched. What you're saying is that we are the December Derrick Henry of podcasts. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Cannot be stopped. Yeah. It is no, our it's, time. The time it's is phenomenal. Now. I mean, we're, we really are just thrilled about it. Uh, Kate and Michelle... Super passionate people. They love what they do. They love researching. They bring such a great uh, energy and um, just great insight and data-driven responses to everything that they do. Um, us being able to put together into one brand is great. We're 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 all we are all equal partners in this new top-level company where we're going to be producing all this sub-content underneath it, and it's going to be phenomenal to have, you know, multiple podcasts. Like we have our red shirts, which is going to be going primarily dynasty focused going forward after the next probably couple weeks or so. Um, They're going to be doing mostly redraft on the ball blast podcast. We're talking about doing potentially a third podcast that might include some, some, some wagering, some DFS, (laughs) all kinds of good stuff. We're, we're about to be, get rich. Yeah, no kidding. We're we're bringing <laughs> eight staff writers together underneath the five of us already. So we have a pretty sizable team in place. And you can just expect a whole bunch of content. It's all going to be housed on ballblastfootball.com. Uh, that's where we're going to be putting everything. And that's going to be going through a revamp over the next month or so. You know, Stay tuned for oh, an yes. announcement on that. So there's just a lot of great stuff in the works. We're really excited about it. Yeah, listeners, we apologize for not being on the mic as much last week, but man, it was so busy. We were, we were literally on like a FaceTime call or a conference call with uh, at the like Ball Blast one o'clock crew. in the morning Eastern every like, night. Just, I was yeah. exhausted every day at work, but man, this is what we do for you guys, uh, for the listeners, trying to put out the best product we can, and we are committed to doing that in 2020 and beyond with our new revamped uh, marketing brand, so to speak, here with Ball Blast Football. So check them out. Check out the Ball Blast podcast with Kate and Michelle. Um, we actually were just on the most recent episode, which dropped on Friday this past week in your podcast app. They're on on every platform that you listen to our podcast as well. So check that out. Um, good discussion. 
talked about some tight end breakouts, talked about Brandon Cook's injury history, all sorts of interesting stuff on there. So check that out. And the way to support our revamp, the way to support the launch is patreon.com slash ballblast. Okay. You're used to us saying patreon.com slash pod. That is no longer. We are joining forces. All of our exclusive content is going to be found there, such as projections, exclusive rankings, DFS content, sports betting content, all that good stuff is on patreon.com slash ballblast. Boys, are we ready to get into, uh, man, what a week it's been. I feel like there's tons of news to get into. We got to get into the news. Then we're going to talk about our wide receiver twos in our rankings. I got great news, guys. All right, Okada, you have a new quarterback. It is Cam Newton, maybe. Yeah, you do. Cam Newton has signed with the Patriots, finally. I feel like we all expected it, and now it's just a matter of time. He signs a very, very friendly deal for the Pats. League minimum, $550,000, one year guaranteed, but up to $7.5 million. He's being paid like a backup quarterback. Uh, probably even worse, actually. <laughs> Chase Daniel yeah. making more than him this year. But for Cam, he came out, he said, it's not about the money, I have something to prove. Okada, I'm going to kick it to you, man. As the Patriots fan, are you interested in Cam and fantasy on your team? And just talk to me a bit about the signing in general. Yeah, so I think there's a couple main things that we need to touch on when we're talking about this Cam signing. Because initially, the number that was flying around was $7.5 million, and that sounds great. But now we know the minimum... He signed for the minimum. And keep in mind, this is a guy who was out on the free agency market for four plus months. Nobody wanted to sign him. There was talk that the Patriots would sign him way back when, before the draft, when they had no quarterback of hope. Yes. And they didn't. And neither did anybody else. And now all the way into the end of June, the Patriots finally signed him for diddly squat money where they only have to pay him if he actually does start and produce for the whole season. Uh, everybody reacted to the $7.5 million number, which is the number that popped into people's eyeballs, and said, oh boy, they got a new starter. It's Cam Newton for a Super Bowl run. Let's go. Here's the thing. They're paying him worse than backup money. This is depth piece money that they are pay- paying him guaranteed. Now, if he wins the job and starts and plays well... Then he gets paid, but he has to do that, which means it should not be assumed that he's going to do that. I think they have to go into whatever camp is with Jarrett Stidham, Brian Hoyer, and Cam Newton and see what that looks like. Now, because of the way that camp is going to look, which is strange and bare potentially, and because of the next piece of news we're going to talk about, which is shortened preseason spoiler alert. Oh, you ruined it. I know. What this <laughs> means is that. And we'll talk about it when we get to that. In fact, let's just talk about it now. Yeah, the the preseason is going to be shortened one. to two yeah. games. The NFLPA wants to shorten it even further, but it's going to be at least or at most two games. What all of this means is that rookies and new players on teams are going to be less valuable for fantasy. It's going to be harder to integrate them into the system. Or in Cam's case, it's going to be harder to implement a new system. And that's the big deal for me with Cam and the Patriots is a Cam Newton system is not going to look like a Tom Brady system or what like Jared Stidham would have run, which would have looked more like a Tom Brady system. And I am hesitant to believe that McDaniels and Belichick are going to want to try to implement a whole new system this late into the offseason and with as little preseason as we're looking like we're going to have. All that to say, I am still near 50-50 on who's going to be the starter between Stidham and Cam. I know that's a hot take. 
If it is Cam, I think he has to prove himself to even keep the job. He has been struggling over the past couple years. A lot of that has been injury-related, but I'm not, you know, sold that his shoulder is great either. It's a lot of words I just spewed out. I'm I'm willing to take Cam late, but I think he's <clears> going to go where people assume he's going to be a starter in the QB 15 range or something like that, and I'm not taking him there because I'm not convinced. So a couple things about Cam Newton that are enticing to me. One, a healthy Cam Newton is just really good for NFL football. Um, he's absolutely electric. Um, this is a team that just lost their all-time great quarterback, Tom Brady. Um, in terms of giving fans something to root for, it looks way better on paper to be like, hey, Cam Newton's your starting quarterback week one <laughs> than Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer. I agree with everything Okada's saying that I think there's going to be some real searching out in camp and in the offseason to figure out what the route's going to be. Part of the reason Cam went so long unsigned is because of all of this COVID stuff and people not being able to get him in to see their doctors and not be able to evaluate his health. He probably would have signed back in February, to be honest, or March, if, if people were able to get him in to see their doctors, but they weren't. So now they get him for dirt cheap. Is he getting less than, um, than backup Jameis Winston money now? I think his minimum is less uh, than Jameis' yeah. minimum. Yeah. Because Jameis' yeah, was is. like one and change or something like that. Yeah, 1.1 so, I want to yeah, say. So, so that sucks for Cam. I do think that if he is fully healthy, I think that Bill Belichick has watched the NFL evolve over the last decade. And two of the top teams in the playoffs in the AFC this last year were run by Lamar Jackson and his, you know, division little brother that's now catching up to him the bills with josh allen who is very very similar skill set wise to what peak cam newton was which is run the ball incredibly physical down on the goal line quarterback sneaks work great um completion percentage is maybe a little bit less than you want it to be um but that athleticism is enticing yeah it is but that athleticism <laughs> is really enticing and i think and and we've been talking about this all off season. I think that Bill wants to give that a try. What does an offense look like where we have an athletic quarterback instead of a statue, a statue. who <laughs> yes. is who's a football savant like Brady yes. is, and I'm not discrediting his intelligence, but athleticism is not what makes Brady great. It's his ability to dissect the defense. So sure. I think that a if he's fully healthy, a Cam Newton, I think has a very good chance of winning that job. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, Cam, you know, the, the the decline has been real over the last few years. We saw him have um, now three surgeries in the past three years, looking at the foot and two shoulder surgeries, rotator cuff repair in 2017. Then in 2019, has the uh, cleanup procedure inside the shoulder joint. By definition, because of that procedure and because of what was found in the procedure, he will have arthritis in his shoulder. So he's not going to be a Tom Brady playing until he's 40, 41. It's not happening. And now we see him with the foot injury in the Liz Frank surgery. I will say, most of the time when you talk, hear me talk about Liz Frank surgeries, I'm really worried. For Cam, it's a bit different. His was not an unstable injury. And what I mean by unstable is like, do the bones or do the ligaments cause a disruption in the way the foot works? His was not that. Alshon Jeffrey, his was that. And so if you're telling me to pick one of those two guys to get back into form sooner, it's going to be Cam. It helps that his surgery was in September as well, so he's closer to the start of the season. All that to say, I'm just not sure what to expect from Cam this year. I mean, the injury right. history is concerning. It's an offseason that's weird. He's with a new team, a new coach, a new system. I can't rank him higher than like quarterback 
18, 19. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really want him in fantasy. I'm willing to be wrong on a player like that versus be right. Now, I will say, let's was, move on. Before we move, go ahead. Someone needed a fill in for a startup last night and they DM'd me and I'm a degenerate. So I said yes. <laughs> So shocking. shocking. So so I'm in this Death, startup. Taxes and John and startups. <laughs> so I'm in this startup. So I joined this startup last <laughs> night and and we're going through it. And even after this news broke, I got him as my third quarterback, as the 25th quarterback off the board. I will take that all day. Like I will take that upside down there in that range as my let's, QB three. Let's sure. play a name game. Let's play a name game. Okay. Dynasty, right? So, listeners, we are right now still talking about redraft rankings, but in teaming up with Ball Blast Football, they're going to handle a lot of redraft content. We're going to put our efforts into Dynasty, rookie scouting, NFL draft coverage, etc. So, scouting. let's talk about this from scouting. a Dynasty. Scouting. Yes, we love watching the film. Dynasty perspective. Who would you rather have, Cam Newton or Drew Locke? Drew Locke. Drew Locke, longevity, yeah. Same for me. Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton? Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater by so far. Okay. Same for me. Teddy's like a Gardner, mid quarterback too. Like, give us harder ones. Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Gardner Minshew. Or no, Cam Gardner Minshew. It's still not I take, hard. I take Cam. I don't think that Gardner Minshew is a long term starter. Oh, okay. he's getting replaced by Trevor um, Trevor Lawrence next next spring. We'll see. I, I don't know. I feel like I would take Gardner. I, I don't trust Cam long term. He's the type of player that like Brady. You talked about. He's so smart. He knows where to put the football. He knows how to keep himself healthy. Cam is like, you know, I'm going to play from 21 to 31 and I'm going to crush it. And he did. But now we're at a point where that arm, I feel like, is going to decline. He hasn't had the best arm talent in the world in his prime years. The rushing is probably going to decline with each year of age. So in Dynasty, if you can sell Cam Newton, I'm doing it. I'm getting out. Yeah, if you have him already and you can sell him on hype, then, yeah, it's, it's a great time to sell Cam Newton. Love it. All right, boys, next piece of news here, and then we'll move on to the wide receiver ranks. We were talking about a potential trade. David Njoku comes out, weird timing, comes out on Friday this past week, asks for a trade from the Browns. Fellas, I don't see it happening. I mean, we're almost at training camp. Like, is there a market for him? We don't know. He's coming off of a wrist surgery and concussions last year. What do you guys think? Uh, I, Here, I'll say this. I could see the Patriots slipping in and sending a fifth round pick for David and Joku. Right. Oh, classic. So that classic. would be such a classic move. Easy they got money. no tight ends. Oh, what's this? They had no tight ends, no quarterback. All of a sudden they got Cam Newton, David and Joku. <laughs> I hate nothing. the NFL, man. They just keep I hate it the so Patriots. much. Chess and checkers, barring, chess and checkers. Barring that, yeah, I don't know, man. He has not shown enough to warrant the kind of, you know, just deserves I think he thinks he should get. And we've talked about Kevin Stefanski potentially wanting to run two tight ends pretty often. So I don't think that the that the Browns have an interest in trading to Joku, and I don't think anyone's going to pay a price good enough to force them force their hand to give him away. Yeah, I agree. Now, if we get someone who gets you know a happy trigger and they decide to send too much for him, then I think the Browns would do it. Like this, this is a Bill O'Brien kind of move. Um, in Houston, where I could see him being like, "Ooh, super athletic, young tight end." Oh, Sean yes. Watson. <laughs> that would be a second round. Pick. I'll give you a second or a third for him. Yeah. Okay. Like I could see that potentially <laughs> oh, Bill. happening. Bill's like oh, the classic Bill. dynasty trader who's like, you know what? <laughs> Throw back a fifth, and we got a deal. <laughs> the exactly. other players like, yes, I'm in. 
<laughs> that's exactly what he's like. Oh man, that's golden. Um, yeah, so I can see that potentially happening. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty unlikely that it gets done. Um, going back to draft picks real quick, another thing that I meant to bring up with the Cam Newton thing, if he takes the job and starts and produces, the Patriots could get back a compensatory third-round pick next year if he moves on to another team and they just lost the third in the punishment that was handed down for them doing the whole spying yeah, on the Browns they're thing. Too so smart, man. They're it's too just chess and checkers. Like that's one of the reasons why I think they're they're gonna give him a job and let him play is so that they get an extra third round pick next year when he goes somewhere else in free agency. Yeah, it's interesting. I will say for David and Joku, the Browns did pick up his fifth year option. So he's there through twenty twenty one. Like I a team is going to have to come and get him and give up assets to get him. They will. I don't know if it happens. I will say in Dynasty, keep on your radar, uh, Harrison Bryant, rookie tight end. Mm-hmm. We talked about this offense, one to run two tight ends. Obviously, it's Austin Hooper, the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And Harrison Bryant is a rookie. He won the Mackey Award last year for the Dude top good, tight man. end in college. So if people are like hyped about David and Joku and like, you know, just sneak in, get a little Harrison Bryant on your roster. Probably get him for what would you guys say, like a third round rookie pick, maybe early fourth? Yeah, sure. Easily. Definitely. Out yeah, of like FAU, skull, uh, small school guy. Yeah, you can yep. probably get him cheap. Yeah, for sure. Like that a lot. All right, boys, let's get into our wide receiver rankings. If you missed the last episode, which dropped last Monday, we talked about our wide receiver ones for 2020. Again, redraft rankings. We're going to look at wide receivers 13 to 24 for this season. Let's break it down, boys. We got wide receiver 13, Allen. Robinson coming off of 153 targets last year. Fellas, has there been a player in the entire NFL who has played with worse quarterbacks in his entire career? Not the answer is no. <laughs> it's Allen Robinson nope. going all the way back to college. Christian Hackenberg, get out of here. Man. Oh, and all he's done <laughs> is produce. He's been fantastic. And this season, he has a chance to have an upgraded quarterback. Now, it's either going to be Mitchell Trubisky getting better and starting no, or Nick Foles being more accurate than Mitch Trubisky. Either way, I'm in on Allen Robinson. I've got him at 11. Okada's with me. He's at 11, too. John, you're a little bit lower. You're at 17. Why are you lower on Robinson than Okada and myself? The reason why I'm slightly lower is just because I don't trust the offense as a whole. I love Allen Robinson's talent. He should be, by all intents and purposes, a wide receiver one if he had a quarterback and if he had a decent offense. I just don't trust the Bears' offense to put points on the board. They were right near the bottom of the league last year, like 13 and a half points, I think it was, per game. Just absolutely atrocious numbers. Um, Foles is probably stuck on the bench to start the season because they're going to give Trubisky one last hurrah for the first few weeks of the year. And then Trubisky's going to have a four-pick game, and they're finally going to turn it over to Foles. And at which point, maybe they'll be marginally better. Um I just don't believe in the the offense as a whole and his ability to potentially put points on the board. Now, granted, in a terrible offense last year, he still put up great fantasy points. There's just a lot yep. of wide receivers. Wide receiver 10. Yep, there's just a lot of wide receivers that I like this year. There's a ton. And delineating the people in this range is kind of tough. So give me the guys that are on better offenses with more upside than, than Allen Robinson. I mean, to Betts' point, I don't think there's a chance anything gets worse for this team at the quarterback position. Yep. And if Allen Robinson is going to finish as a wide receiver one, back-end wide receiver one, with what he had last year, which was, by the way, a, an even worse Trubisky than two years ago, 
then he it's just going to get a little better. And I honestly wish I could get him higher because I believe that. But this is as high as I can get him, which is technically a spot higher than he finished last year. So there you go. There's my upgrade. Uh, yeah, I'm, I love him. He's super safe. Yeah. I mean, they did not do much to address wide receiver, really. I mean, we talk about that with the Packers all the time. It's Allen Robinson. It's Anthony Miller. I mean, they drafted a tight end, Cole Komet, but we don't really know what this is going to be. They have Ted Ginn. He's like 34, 35. Like, no. Allen Robinson, I don't want to be hot takey. Allen Robinson could push for reception leader in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It's not likely. He could push for it. I don't think that's a hot take. Top five, you think, is, is potential? Yes. In terms of receptions? Yeah. He is the he offense. He is the offense with the passing game. So we just need the quarterback play to upgrade a little bit, and the sky is the limit for Allen Robinson. Love him. All right, boys, on to wide receiver 14. We're going to have a bone to pick with this one. Keenan Allen. He comes in at 14, mostly thanks to Okada, who has him at 14. John at 8. I'm a hater, man. Wide receiver 23 in my oh, ranks. Boy. Yes, I know. I know. He's Keenan Allen. He's great. We've talked about it with the, the offense. I'm fading the Chargers this year, and, and I'll be wrong on that. That's fine. Um, or I'll be right. We'll find out soon enough. You'll be, you'll be wrong. But with Keenan okay. Allen, you know, like, I don't trust Tyrod Taylor. I don't trust Justin Herbert. I don't trust the offense. He and Phillip Rivers have played together every single year of Keenan Allen's career. And you can say what you want about the noodle arm. Yes, it's declining. But their chemistry is fantastic. It's a weird offseason. I'm not going to trust Justin Herbert coming into this offense to move the ball downfield. I'm sorry. I'm just not. We talked about it with rookies, with new teams, new quarterbacks, with Cam. It's the same scenario here in Los Angeles. I don't want Keenan Allen this year. I probably won't even take him, to be honest with you. Which is really funny to me because you have no problem with DJ Moore with a new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, coming Mm. onto his team, who also (laughs) is not known as an arm talent quarterback because you trust the volume alone. Same situation. Talented offense as a whole. Different, 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 different. Oh, come on. The Chargers offense in terms of the skill players that they have is not far behind Carolina. Well, John, in Betts' defense, it is different because the Panthers have a running back who will have more (laughs) targets than DJ Moore, and the Chargers don't. So, yeah, you're right, Betts. They have Austin Eckler who's still going to have a ton of targets. Yeah, but he's not going to touch Keenan Allen's targets. No, he's not. It's going to be Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's going to have the most targets on the team. Plain and simple. Well, I will say, just kind of speaking to like that point, we all have DJ Moore above Keenan Allen. So yeah. it's not like I'm alone in that. We all love yeah, him. Yeah, because, I, I think because John and I recognize that if the receiver is good enough, it doesn't matter what the quarterback situation is. And to be let's be clear, Keenan Allen is a better receiver than DJ Moore. Until proven stage, otherwise, sure. yeah. Keenan Allen is one of the best in the league at what he does. So top I don't care five, who the quarterback is. Top five route runner, top two Easily. in terms of separation. Like, Sixth in the NFL for the team in pass play percentage last year. Mm-hmm. Is that going to come down this year with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert? No. Why not? Um, it's Tyrod okay, Taylor. Maybe, maybe a little. Like maybe it'll come down from sixth. They're still going to be top fifteen, in my opinion. What was I, the pass percentage number? Do you have that bets? Sixty-seven. I want to say like off the top of my head. I just looked number. at it today before we started. Okay, so I think it's going to come down from that uh, because it's a rookie and I expect Justin Herbert to start. But I still have Keenan Allen getting 150 targets. Easy. Because he he is so far and away the best guy on that team to target. I, I 
just don't see how no, even, it matters. Even if his average depth of target is three yards off the line of scrimmage, the dude's just going to get the ball into his hands. Like, whoever's at quarterback is going to have someone that cooks in a phone booth. Like, him at the line of scrimmage is so fun to watch. If any of you want a fun homework assignment, just go look up Keenan Allen tape. Just go watch him at the line of scrimmage absolutely bake defenders it's so much fun he's gonna get open so often he's gonna be such a friendly target for whoever's back there at quarterback he's by far the best best option on that offense i just think he's gonna get absolutely peppered with targets um and i trust those quarterbacks to get the ball to him i trust those quarterbacks to get the ball to him more than i trust mitch trubisky easily going back to our last conversation so give me give me keenan out (laughs) yeah i mean hey i'm not gonna argue keenan allen's talent the dude's a stud. Watching his feet on the line of scrimmage, his release is insane. So he is so, so good. I just have concerns with the offense. A weird um, a weird offseason. I don't trust Justin Herbert as a rookie. I will say in Dynasty, I'm rising on Justin Herbert. I think he's a, a player that is not going in the same tier as like Joe Burrow, Tua. And rightly so. We don't have him ranked there either. But people are kind of sleeping on Justin Herbert in Dynasty. And I will say along the same lines, Mike Williams. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky buy. I don't want him in 2020. I don't. But in 2021, <laughs> when Justin Herbert no, is finally the starter no. for sure, yes, John, that arm. Never you Mike about Williams. It with Never We're not Mike having this Williams. discussion. This is 13 through 24, not right, 30 fine. through 60. I'm trying to give our listeners a little bit more of like a hey, we're coming for dynasties. So just just so you know, um, go by Mike Williams. All right, Never on to <laughs> wide receiver. 15 in the ranks. It is Cooper Cup. Okada, dude, you're crushing it right now. You got that 15. You had Keenan out at 14. Go. He was at 14. Cooper's at 15 for you. Uh, Cooper Cup is at 13 for me, 15 for John. He's right there with you. So we're all the same. Cooper Cup, uh, we like a lot. We've talked about him a lot with this offense. We talked about Bobby Trees. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, but with the, the Rams offense in general, we lost Brandon Cooks, right? So, like, I don't know how people are viewing this offense as so positive for, for Robert Woods. And they're just kind of forgetting about Cooper Cup, in my opinion. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on those two? Um, I think it's a little bit worse than that, even. I think that it's gotten to the point where not only is Robert Woods seen as a better value, but people are starting to put Woods above Cup. And I- I've been saying this for a few years now. I'm a massive Cooper Cup fan. And you know who else is a massive Cooper Cup fan? Jared Goff. Goff. Yes, yes, sir. And by the way, so is the team. I forget who I saw this tweet from. It was a Rams reporter talking about how Cup is expected to kind of rise up as the clear one and get a new contract, which he's due to get sometime in the near future, potentially before even the season really kicks into gear. I absolutely love this guy. I think he has a chance to be a top 10 receiver in the NFL for several years to come. He is a touchdown monstrosity, one of the guys who can be a 10-touchdown guy. And we've talked about the Rams in general. I think they're going to have to turn elsewhere when they get into the red zone, even more than they have in previous years when Cup still scored, because there's no more Gurley anymore. So I love Cooper Cup. I think there's a good chance I get him even higher than this before the season starts. Again, I have him at 15. I don't know if I can because there's guys above him I love, but I'm really high on Cooper Cup. Yeah, I love Cooper Cup. Um, here's my obligatory Bobby Trees reference. Um, I love Bobby Trees too. I have Bobby Trees right now at 12. I have Cooper Cup at 15. Both. Of oh, you-, you disgust me, sir. I love you. You're disgusting, um, John. You're disgusting. Thank you. I know. I need to shower. It's gross. 
This is one of those duos where you look at certain offenses around the NFL. There's not many offenses that you think can sustain two fantasy wide receiver ones in the same year. This is an offense that has a very good chance to do so. They could be last yes. year's Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, although I don't think either one of them necessarily finishes as the wide receiver too, but it's entirely possible. Now, for me, I see Cooper Cup, and maybe this is just slightly a little bit of bias. I don't know why. I feel like his touchdown numbers are are bound to kind of decrease a little bit and Robert Woods for them to increase. And while I'm talking, I can see Matt Okada's face light up from the glow of his computer from the research that he's going to do while I'm talking. But yes, he is. <laughs> Robert, Robert Woods had a massively down touchdown year this last year. I think he's bound for some positive regression there. I think that he's bound to scoop up some of those touchdowns that one cup had last year, but two also some that Todd Gurley is is leaving behind. Um, but I, I love both these guys. It's it's hard for me to separate them. They're both so good. I could have easily had them at twelve and thirteen right next to each other. That said, even though I have Robert Woods higher because I think that he might have a slightly ever so slightly higher floor. I think that Cooper Cup has the higher ceiling of the two. And if there was one of these guys that could finish as a top five fantasy wide receiver, I think it's Cooper Cup. So this might change for me. It's probably bound to over the next month going into the season. Cup might come right above Woods. It's going to be really close. But these this could be an offense that produces two number one fantasy wide receivers. All right, Okada, uh, hit us with the research. Okay, so what's interesting is to a degree I agree with John because I think Robert Woods' touchdown numbers are more likely to move up than anything else that's going to happen because he was so low. However, then I disagree with John because John says that those are going to come out of Cup's numbers. Not only do I think that most of those numbers are going to come out of Gurley's numbers, but the most due for regression guy is Jared Goff. He threw 626 passes last year. 22 passing touchdowns. That's a 3.5% touchdown rate down from 5.7 and 5.9 the prior two years. Cup has to lose absolutely no touchdowns for Woods to gain six, in my opinion. So uh, that whole offense is going to go more into Goff's hands, and I think that Woods is going to come up. Cup is going to stay where he is, if not potentially go up. But man, 11 touchdowns? But he was smoking... He was smoking the first half of the year. He was like the wide receiver two yes. for the first like yes. eight weeks or whatever it was. And then what? Ha- like where did he go? Like that's I'm still so concerned the about the second lost half of the its season. Usual, yeah, they lost their, their usual identity, right? That's what the, the yeah. conversation's been all off season. Eleven versus twelve personnel. What are they going to do? Is Cooper Cup going to be on the field or is Robert Woods? Who is it going to be? Who's going to replace Brandon, Brandon Cooks? This offense last year, halfway through, went through a complete rebuild. They mm-hmm. they've switched their formation. They didn't know what to do. Jared Goff suffered as a result. The entire offense, I think, in general, suffered as a result. They didn't know what to do with Gurley. Like that distraction is gone. We've all talked about this offense and believing in in Sean McVay. We're buying the bounce back. And honestly, guys, the conversation that's been out there, it's always is a is it Robert Woods or is it Cooper Cup? The answer is yes. It's you both. take both hmm. if you can. We don't talk enough about wide receiver stacking, and we had Derek Brown on about five shows ago to talk about um, offenses to target, and the Rams were one of those. I think that was Okada's team, and we talked about stacking wide receivers. You can take both these guys and be totally fine. You're going to get two top 15 wide receivers. We love them both. Obviously, we have Cup a little bit higher in the consensus ranks. Robert Woods comes in at 17 in consensus ranks, just behind 
Cooper Cup. All right, boys, in between those two wide receivers in our consensus ranks, it is a man who absolutely exploded onto the scene last year, A.J. Brown, over 20 yards per reception last season. Guys, he's not a wide receiver with the ball in his hands. He is a running back. He is a monstrosity. He is massive. I am terrified to watch any cornerback try to tackle him. <laughs> he is so big. He is so good. Wide receiver 16. John, you're at 14. Okada at 13. I'm a little bit lower at 20. Why don't you guys tell me why you're higher than I am, and then I'll kind of discuss I'm, maybe I'm why I'm a little bit lower. shocked that you're the lowest of the three of us on Same. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's mostly because of the efficiency metrics we saw last year. I don't know how that stays as good as it was. I mean, he was taking like 10-yard slants, 80 yards. You, you just can't count on that in, in fantasy. Um, I do like A.J. Brown from a dynasty perspective way more than redraft. I will say that. So I'm still definitely in on him in that aspect. I just don't know that the efficiency stays the same. And obviously, they're going to run through Derrick Henry. Uh, I think mainly for me, there's two things. One, I love his talent. He is a beast. You just mentioned yes. it. Uh, a beast enough that I believe in those breakaway plays, and I don't necess necessarily see them reducing as much as they should for a normal player. What the other? But the main thing is, he got better as the season went on. He got used more. They realized pretty quick, but it took them a few weeks to realize, wait a minute, Corey Davis isn't good and A.J. Brown is. Let's just feed this guy. And then over the latter half of the season, even the latter two-thirds of the season, he was dominating. So I think that with a whole season of that reality, not to mention, by the way, a whole season of Tannehill, which they didn't have last year. It was kind of similar, actually, when they started, when A.J. Brown started to pop. Uh, that was when Tannehill came in. Other than that, there's not much change to this team. I think they're going to look pretty similar to they did over the as they did over the last you know two thirds of the season, and that was all good for my boy AJ Brown, who was a rookie. I it can't <laughs> get worse. It can only get better, and the ceiling therefore is very very high. The floor is maybe not quite as high because sure. maybe it was a fluke rookie season. But the ceiling is super, super high, and I think his talent keeps the floor reasonably high. So let's let's do the thing that we're going to be doing a lot on our podcast going forward, which is kind of dynasty and college-focused a little bit. Let me give you a little bit of A.J. Brown's college profile. Oh, hit me. Six foot, 226 pounds. Oh. That is a physical specimen of a wide receiver. The fact that he and D.K. Metcalf were on the same college team, good luck, DBs. That weight room, though, like oh, Good lord, they probably broke some bars. To be quite honest, but <laughs> hey, if the bar ain't bending, you're just pretending, man. <laughs> exactly. His college dominator rating with DK Metcalf on the team was thirty two point six percent, ninety fifth percentile. With DK Metcalf on the other side, that's absurd. His speed score was the ninetieth percentile for someone that size. It is ridiculous what this dude can do. Yards after the catch is one of the biggest things about this dude's game um he let's see the yards after the catch this is in the college i want to see what he did last year i can't find the number offhand but Ooh, one of the big things good. it was really good i mean i know it was fantastic <laughs> it was i just don't have the number in front of me but one Okada, of the things why i think, think that is yeah you you look while i talk one of the things that i think makes aj brown so sustainable is that his catch percentage was fairly low last year he had a little bit of inconsistency with the catches. It was only 60... Uh, catch percentage was 61.9. There's some room for improvement on that. It's not terrible, but it's it, it, it can grow, and I expect it to in his second year. 
what he does with the ball in his hands in space is absolutely absurd. Like you said, a 10-yard slant that he houses. These are the kind of things that we saw much smaller wide receivers like OBJ doing in their first two seasons in New York. But this is a guy that's six foot over 225 pounds. Like, that's ridiculous. Someone that size in space. So I think that he provides a very interesting blend of physicality, route running, they have a desire to get the ball into his hands in space. What he did down the second half of the year was absolutely incredible. I expect a full season of that. I expect him to be a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. Uh, I got your numbers for you, John. This, I know this it's good, be fun. but give it to me. 8.9 yards after catch per reception. That was good third Lord. in the NFL if you set the minimum at 40 catches. Here are the here are the names. First, Dalvin Cook. Second, Austin Eckler. Third, A.J. Brown. Then Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. Do you see a theme? Yeah, first round fantasy players. That's the theme that I see. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's honestly the worst decision. And and shout out to Andy Holloway, good friend yep. of the show from the Fantasy Footballers. Um, he put this out there. He said the worst decision of AJ Brown's career was standing next to DK Metcalf in that shirtless photo. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be talking about AJ Brown as like that alpha, like big dude in the weight room. But, he is. But man, he's he's awesome. He is an absolute star in the making. Um, the only reason I have him a little bit lower, like I said, is just that the efficiency I think comes down. But in, in Dynasty. Yes, please. All in. Okada and I talked about it. I remember it was a show with Nate Hamilton, also a great friend of the show, right after the season. It was in early February, and we were like, buy A.J. Brown. Buy him high. Don't yep. even worry about the buy low. Buy him buy high, high, but you're still going to get more in the future. So, yes, we love A.J. Brown on the show here. All right, boys. Quick pause. Let's take a, a moment here. Let's thank our sponsor tonight. That is Trophy Smack. Now, it's July. August is right around the corner, and that means fantasy drafts, redraft. Fantasy drafts are coming. You need a trophy for your league, and you're going to go to trophysmack.com. When you do, you're going to find literally everything you need, okay? You're going to find draft boards if you're doing a live in-person draft with your, your friends from home. Maybe you're um, doing an online draft. That's fine, too, but you need a trophy for your league, right? You can't just show up and be like, oh, here's a participation medal. Like, y- you got to get a trophy, man. Like, that's the league. Get the trophy, and when you do, add it into your cart. Also, go back, keep looking, find the ring, okay? The championship <sighs> ring. They have the three wondering? of them. You can you can choose one, put it in your cart, throw the code red shirts in at checkout. You're gonna get it for free. So check them out, guys. Trophy Smack is awesome. We love their products. We use their products. They supported the listener league last year. They gave us a free ring because they're good people. So check them out. Trophysmack.com. When you enter uh and you go on the website, enter the code red shirts at checkout, you're gonna get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt. All right, boys. We are on to wide receiver 18. Remember, wide receiver 17 was Robert Woods. 18, Adam Thielen. Now, Okada and I, we are in simpatico on this one. Wide receiver 16 in our ranks. John, you're a hater. Wide receiver 26. <laughs> I What's going up, on, man? I slid him up right before we came into the show. Okay, what so is it? So, not the low. He's at 19. 19. 19. Okay, that's better. I that's was worried better. for you yeah. for a second. <laughs> um, again, we're looking at all these wide receivers, and it's so hard to separate them, in my opinion, because... I'll look at them and I feel good about my rankings. Then I see one of these guys. I'm like, oh man, he's way too low. I got to move him up. But then that pushes everyone else down. It's just really tough to delineate. So it's hard. I mean, he could easily finish in the twenties. He could easily be a wide receiver one. There's a lot of range of outcomes because I feel like a lot of these guys are going to be fairly close by the time the season's over when in terms of, in terms of the amount of points that they give. One of the things that I do like about Adam Thielen though, is I think that he's going to be one of the more consistent wide receiver twos with potential wide receiver one upside 
uh, at this stage because there's no more Stevon Diggs. He is going to be the best friend for Kirk Cousins. He is going to get all the targets. Now, granted, rookie Justin Jefferson is going to be there and he's going to get a really good share as well. But Thielen now is the, like, bona fide number one look in that offense. There's no more, like, trying to figure out who it is or kind of mitigating all of the off-field drama of Stephon Diggs saying, I didn't give enough targets, and then they give him 15 the next game. There's not going to be any of that left in this offense. It's going to be Dalvin Cook is the number one, and Adam Thielen is the number two option in that offense. So I think that Adam Thielen has a very safe, comfortable, tighter range of outcomes than some of these other wide receivers, which I like. Um, But I don't know that he necessarily has the ceiling of some of these others because I don't really trust that offense to be a top-producing offense again. I do think that Kirk Cousins is due for some positive regression in his past attempts, but I don't know that they've got the horses in the stables to have a high-flying offense. It's more going to be, I think, ground and pound with Dalvin Cook and play good defense if they can. So... Unless that defense completely deteriorates, kind of like what we saw last year, but if their defense can hold up the way that they want it to, I don't think that this offense is going to be asked to go out there and score 28 points a game. So that's why I've got him kind of where he is, but he's a very safe, comfortable, draft him as your wide receiver too um, in fantasy football for me, a very, very comfortable person. Love it. Yeah. Adam Thielen is really tough for me because I feel like his target share is going to be one of the highest in the league. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a very good chance it's number one in the league. But I think that the targets overall for this team that really wants to be run focused is going to be much lower than even average, which then hurts Adam Thielen's amazing target share translating into targets. That being said, he's still going to have 140 plus targets and he's a very good receiver who can do a lot with those. My only real issue with Adam Thielen right now is his price. I see him going around wide receiver 10, and I have him at 16. Yikes, he's doing that high? Yeah, which, I mean, and it's tough because, like, on paper, it sounds good. He's a good receiver who's going to get a lot of targets in an offense that's going to be solid. I don't know. I just can't get him quite that high in my rankings. He's good. He's safe. He's, you know, if you can get him in the fourth round... Uh, I feel okay about that. Pretty fine, actually. But if he's going in the mid-third, that's a little harder. Yeah, he's going yeah, that's right totally now fair. on 444.com. He's going at 30th overall wide receiver 10. Yep. Mid-third. It's kind of crazy. I, I feel like a month ago, I was doing some best ball drafts, and he was going at like wide receiver 20. And I was like, yep, every time. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, we're going to also put out on Patreon, patreon.com slash ballblast, um, we're going to look at ADP for you guys and, and try to find places that you can win. So look at uh, players that are too low, players that are too high, and just say, yes, go in or, or pass. And I will say, it's still in Yahoo formats. This is a freebie for you guys. In Yahoo formats, I've been doing some best ball on there. And Adam Thielen still goes like late round four, early round five. So in that price, yeah, that's sweet. Um, I would definitely go in. But yeah, I agree. If, if he's going in wide receiver 10 in an actual draft, I can't take him there. I mean, I've got him at 16, obviously, for a reason. Um, I will say real quick, too, you know, with Adam Thielen, we've talked about it with T.Y. Hilton, and, and I've kind of been vocal in terms of injury, being like, stay away from T.Y. Hilton. It's not going to be good this year. Like, the, the signs are negative. I've used this stat before on the show, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't for Adam Thielen. The risk of a soft tissue injury goes up by 1.3 times every year a player gets older. He is coming off a hamstring strain. So it's not like Adam Thielen is totally, like, risk-free this year. There is some risk with it. 
But you guys have talked about it. His target share, I mean, 25% easy. You guys would agree? Yes. Easy. Yeah. I think he could push for like 26, 27, something in that range. But yeah, he'll be a target hog. Can you stay healthy? We'll find out. And if he can, I think he'll return value in terms of being a rock solid wide receiver two and he'll have some wide receiver one weeks. Obviously, we like him quite a bit. All right, boys, on to wide receiver number 19, Cortland Sutton. Guys, we talked about Drew Locke quite a lot on the show. We talked about it actually with the Ball Blast girls on their podcast, so check that out. What was that, Okada? You just pointed at the camera. You may want... I, I don't know how recently Is you this refreshed. Incorrect? Okay, refresh, refresh. Hold my, on. my Cortland Sutton <laughs> updated. I think it updated before we started. Please hold. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Spoiler alert. John doesn't update his ranks until like a minute before we start recording. Gosh darn so it, John. Sorry. Fresh the page. It's been a busy the week. Consensus ranks don't bounce out. Anyway, Cortland so what, so what uh, we're trying to say is that we're going to talk about Cortland Sutton later Never because does. I updated my ranks. <laughs> no, he's not in this show. Perfect. Blame it on John. All right. On to wide receiver 19. Tyler Lockett. Yes, please. He is my wide receiver 17. Okada is a hater at 25. John at 21. Guys, I'm going to be higher than consensus on Tyler Lockett all offseason, and I'm going to continue to be until draft day. I'm probably going to move him higher, honestly, now that I talk about it. The connection between he and Russ is as good as Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Can you guys agree with that, or do you disagree? Oh, totally agree. It's a different... Yeah, but it's still but like they sure. are on the same page. The chemistry, the way Russ, yes. Yeah, the way Russ moves around in the pocket, it's always Tyler Lockett downfield, wide open. We've seen that year after well, year. Well, it after was year. it was Doug Baldwin. He had yes. that with Doug Baldwin for years, and Doug Baldwin was always a fringe wide receiver one for those those early years of Russell Wilson's career. Tyler Lockett gets yep. drafted and comes in, starts learning from Doug Baldwin learning about Russell Wilson, passing of the torch, he becomes that next dude that on the scramble drills, on Russell Wilson's backyard broken plays, when he needs to scramble out because his offensive line is absolute garbage, it turns garbage. into Tyler Lockett. Garbage. It turns into Tyler Lockett that he's looking for. They've got an amazing chemistry. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that game against the Rams oh. last season with that back of the corner throw, tiptoe catch. It was absolutely phenomenal. Beautiful. Anyway, back to, to the, the offense in general. Obviously, Brian Schottenheimer wants to put his stamp on the offense in a run-first offense, this 1999 offense. Run the ball, run the ball, then pass. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. It, you know, it, it's old school, and that's really why I have Tyler Lockett at 17. If, if this was like even a neutral script passing offense or even above average, I would probably push Tyler Lockett to like 14, 15, somewhere in there. But that's really what pulls him back down for me. However, I will say he plays with one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Their chemistry is unreal. I still want Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf in redraft leagues. So uh, I'm in on Tyler Lockett this year. And he actually, I think he's a value, guys. He's going kind of late in terms of where I think he could finish in terms of best ball leagues and drafts that I've done. And I've scooped him up as like my wide receiver three often. And I love it as my wide receiver three. Okay, as the resident the hater, I hate the side. <laughs> as the resident hater, apparently, since I have him at twenty-five, I'll, I'll give my take here, which is this: He was wide receiver fifteen last year in his season yeah, where he was. played sixteen games. Everything was great. Here's the only issue: DK Metcalf's rise to power. Okay, 
Tyler Lockett was destroying it over the first nine games of the season. Then, just exactly at the point where DK Metcalf hit it big, his first 10-target game, which is week 10, from then on, and uh, to granted, it was only seven games, so it's a small sample, but Tyler Lockett's pace in those last seven games was 53 catches, 663 yards, and five touchdowns. DK Metcalf's pace, 66 catches, 857 yards, and five touchdowns. I don't know if DK what's his, Metcalf what's his three is... three cone, though? Okay. <laughs> Terrible. His three cone is probably more than the touchdown total score this year. (laughs) But the it it was very it was not coincidental, but they coincided in that as DK Metcalf started to take over, Tyler Lockett started to take a backseat. Now I don't know if DK is going to be the quote unquote one this year. I think there's probably a good chance Lockett gets more targets. However, I think that we got to see a couple years of Tyler Lockett being the guy and the only guy worthy of throwing to in that offense. And now there's another guy who's very, very good and is going to challenge Lockett. I think that the uh, efficiency for Lockett is still going to be great because he and Russ are one of the most efficient duos in the league. But I think that DK's rise hurts Lockett enough that he doesn't have the upside he used to have, which was fringe wide receiver one or mid-range wide receiver two. For me, that puts him at the very back end of the wide receiver two, maybe very, very high wide receiver three, which is where he is in my rankings. Yeah, which is why I've got him as my... Obviously, looking 21. At, yeah, I was looking at ADP instead of my ranking. I've got him at my 21. His ADP right now is wide receiver 19. He's going, isn't that bets where you got him? 19? 17. 17, so even higher. So, yeah, kind of splitting the difference between bets and I in terms of his ADP. Um, yeah, he was someone that could have been in the, in the consideration for basically top 15 until DK Metcalf came into the picture. I still think that because of the efficiency and because that he's Russell Wilson's safety blanket, when things break down, I think that Tyler Lockett is still going to have a great target share. And I think that he's going to have enough receptions and enough yardage to still absolutely be valuable in fantasy football. He's no longer a fringe wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I don't think that's where he should be ranked anymore. That's still absolutely within his uh, range of outcomes, for sure. He could absolutely finish there if he converts more touchdowns. um, If they decide for some odd reason to finally open it up and let Russ cook. Um, and they decide that his passing totals are going to be 50 to, huh. 60, 50 to 60 higher than they were last year. Then yeah, it could happen. Um, but yeah, basically this entire offense for fantasy football purposes is held back by the scheme. And if they were coached by any of the other coaches in the NFC West, we would be talking about this as being one, oh of, my God. one of the powerhouse Woo. fantasy football offenses for Russell Wilson being in contention for being a top three quarterback, for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf having that conversation we're talking about with Cooper Cup and Bobby Trees. So it is yep. handicapped a little bit by the system, um, but they are very, very talented. I think that he is a very safe wide receiver too. Yep, definitely agree with that. All right, boys. My heart just skipped a beat. We're talking about my boy, Mm. Terry McLaurin, coming in at wide receiver 20 for us. Now, ironically, this is funny how rankings work. Okada has him higher than me. However, (laughs) we all love Terry McLaurin. I have been very vocal that I am in on this guy in every format. doesn't matter. Give me, give me, give me. He's in wide receiver 21. Okada's at 19. Johnson's at 24. 
Fellas, what we saw last year, I, I don't think it was a fluke. I mean, he came out and balled in week one against my Eagles, and I feel like that just put a stamp in my memory of, like, I can't not see that. Now, granted, the Eagles secondary was trash, but he's explosive, he's talented. He did it with Case Keenum, guys, and now he enters year two with a wide receiver room that is largely the same, and it's honestly not great behind Terry McLaurin. I think he, like you said with, with Adam Thielen, is a sneaky candidate to also be very high in target share this year push for 23, 24, maybe 25% target share. And guys, he played with Dwayne Haskins in college. Like we talked about that all in dynasty rookie season. It didn't come to fruition last year, but I'm not ready to give up on Dwayne Haskins quite yet. He was a great passer at Ohio State and it takes time to learn the NFL. So I'm in on kind of buying low on Dwayne Haskins for dynasty leagues. And in redraft, I think it can only get better for Ty, uh, or sorry, for Terry McLaurin, I almost said Tyler Lockett because I'm still talking about him. Terry McLaurin, um, yes, yes, please. I'll, I'll take him as a wide receiver too every day of the week. Yeah, uh, Terry McLaurin is very, very good at football, and it, he's one of those guys like Keenan Allen, which, to be clear, I'm not saying he is Keenan Allen yet. I am saying he could be the next Keenan Allen, though, just if you're curious. He That is somewhat quarterback-proof, and we saw it last year when he had a great season with the doo-doo quarterback room. And uh, do I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a top 10 quarterback this year? No. Do I think he's going to be enough, good enough to support his former college wide receiver and a very, very talented player in Terry McLaurin? Yes, I absolutely do enough. And I think that'll have enough of a target share that he gets that sort of Keenan Allen uh, reality where he gets open, he gets targets, and it doesn't matter how good the offense is doing or how great the quarterback is, he still produces for fantasy, especially in PPR. I probably like him a little bit less in standard if you play in standard, but if you play in PPR, half PPR, Terry McLaurin is wide receiver two for me. I have him above uh, a couple guys we've already talked about, certainly above Tyler Lockett, and I think he's pretty safe this year, which is surprising to say. Yeah, the thing about Terry McLaurin that's interesting is that he was incredibly efficient this last year. He almost, I mean, he topped 900 yards, was getting into that, ooh, I'm pushing for 1,000 on only 58 receptions. So his yeah, target, wild. yeah, his target numbers, his reception totals are bound to increase because he carved out that role for himself. They know what they got now. They got a really good one. Um, he still converted that into seven touchdowns on 58 receptions. That's very efficient. Um, his yards per reception were very efficient. So even if those efficiency numbers come down a little bit from what we saw this last year, his target numbers are going to more than make up for that. And this could be someone that is easily pushing north of 80 receptions, in my opinion, this year. Um, yep. With well over 1,000 yards and could potentially flirt with double-digit touchdowns. So he's a Ooh. very talented wide receiver. Um, I like him a lot. We all do on this show, even though he's in a team that no one ever wants to have any part of the Redskins right now. But or whatever team they are by the time the season rolls around, because they're that's true. Looks like Very they're not going to be the Redskins. I'm sorry, that was my mistake. I should have referred to them as the Washington Football Team, and I'm not saying that yes. jokingly. Um, that I shouldn't. Have. Time for change, boys. Yep, time, time for change. change. It definitely is, and that's a very good conversation to have. And one that I support in them doing and making those changes. So good for the good for the yep. uh, the sponsors for kind of putting that pressure on the organization mm. to make that change, and good for some other professional sports following suit. The Cleveland Indians baseball team is having a conversation as well. So yeah. it's been a, a big day, kind of watching this news kind of unfold today, literally on on uh, July third. So 
Yeah, I think that he's going to be someone that's going to be very valuable. Um, if he gets a hefty target share, if this offense is able to take a step forward, man, he's got a pretty high ceiling. He has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, than, than Tyler Lockett does. Interesting. Yeah, love both guys. I would take them both if I could uh, in drafts. Guys, how about the Washington Red Shirts? Oh, let's go. <laughs> Can we stop with the potato <laughs> skins jokes, though? I've seen it too much. Yeah, on come Twitter. on. Man. Oh, my God. Come get, on. Just stop it. Get get out of here. I really love potato skins so much. Oh. I might have to get some tonight. For dinner. I might have to crush some later. That might happen. They are good. Also good. That's why I bought Chark. bacon. I knew I bought bacon oh, for a reason. Go. Thank you for oh reminding gosh. me, Okada. I appreciate it. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Tw- uh, 21. DJ Chark comes in in our ranks here. We're pretty close, Okada. You and I. 20. 19. Best bros. John is a friggin' hater, man. 28. John, so what gives, hate. dude? Why are you so low on DJ Chark? DJ Chark. Yeah, I'm, I'm low on DJ Shark because I don't trust that offense at all. I think that what we saw out of... Uh, Gardner Minshew last year. I I honestly believe that those incredibly stat happy weeks. I think we're an outlier. I don't think we continue to see that same efficiency. Anytime that you have a new rookie quarterback come in, we see it almost every single year where a quarterback comes in. There's no film on him or that offense. The defense doesn't know how to scheme it up. They don't really know what they're looking for, and they come out and they have a few of these absolutely phenomenal games. And then they come back to earth a little bit. That's kind of what happened last year in that Jaguars offense. We saw early in the season, it was like, who the hell is DJ Shark? Like a lot of people had no <laughs> idea who this guy is. And suddenly yeah, he's actually. a fantasy wide receiver one. Like what, what is going on? And then things started to taper back off. And Gardner Minshew was even in kind of risk of losing his job as the season got late. And they decided to reward him in the offseason and say, you know what? We saw enough that we'll give you another chance at it. I just don't think that we're going to see the same statistical boon that we saw last year in those early weeks, which elevated everyone's season-long stats. So I think that DJ Shark is actually a very, very talented wide receiver. I think he's good. I don't completely hate him. I've still got him ranked as a, what, very high wide receiver three. Um, But again, it's not because of talent. It's because there's so many freaking wide receivers in the NFL right now, and there's just wide receivers that I like more. In terms of There's their 24 wide receiver twos. <laughs> yes, there legitimately are. And and we've talked about this from a draft strategy. Like the reason why I want to go running back heavy right now is because there's 30 wide receivers that I trust in the NFL easily. Would you take DJ Shark as your wide receiver two? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would absolutely I have DJ Shark as my wide receiver two if I'm going running back early. It's just a matter of how many wide receivers there are in the NFL right now. So what it boils down to for me is what I expect from the Jaguars offense. And here's here's where I look with this situation. I look at the Blake Bortles of 2015 and 2016 when this Jaguars offense had not yet broken into the Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye years. And when they were elite, they were still bad. So bad that Blake How Bortles bad were was they? real bad. That Blake Bortles was not only a viable fantasy quarterback as a garbage king, but Allen Robinson was a wide receiver one or solid wide receiver two. That's kind of what I expect this year. I expect Gardner Minshew. It's one of the teams I've done projections on, and I actually have his touchdown to interception ratio as being pretty bad. But I still have him with over 4,000 passing yards, and that's because of DJ Shark's target share that he's going to get. 
gets him over a thousand yards and I mean, is this team going to be good? No. Are they going to challenge for the number one pick next year and maybe get Trevor Lawrence to replace Minshew? Possibly. But if they're going to go that route, it's going to mean a lot of garbage time because they're going to be losing a lot. And I think it's going to be enough that Minshew can throw the ball around the yard and Shark can rack in enough garbage stuff to be a viable fantasy receiver. So that's kind of where I end up with Shark in this offense. Yep, I agree. I mean, last season, the first 11 weeks, he was a wide receiver five yeah. in fantasy. Like he was elite, off. stupid, elite ankle injury. Then like there's a little bit of kind of back and forth between Foles and then Foles is out. Gardner's back in wide receiver 64. So it really was a, a tale of two seasons from wide receiver 12 on 64, like irrelevant in fantasy. Um, so it's just a matter of kind of what do you believe? I believe that he and Gardner Minshew are going to have that chemistry. He's clearly the one in the passing oh, order yeah, for sure. um, in terms of targets. And we talked about it. The defense is going to be trash. So lots of fourth quarter comebacks. Yes, please. I think DJ Chark is a sneaky candidate to finish inside the top 12. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he was like wide receiver 28 on the year, like John said. You know, it's it's, it's not a, a lock. He's not in there as far as like being the top like tier, like, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver one fringe. He has that ceiling, but there's definitely question marks. That's why we have him a little bit lower in our ranks. Guys, the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, Jarvis Landry. I mean, mm, come on. Dude. Wide receiver 22 in our ranks here. He comes in at 23 for Okada and John. I am at 22, so we're all right there. What's there to say about Jarvis Landry, right? Every year, you're wide receiver two. You plug him in, you play him, and you don't even think about it because he's going to return value on his ADP. He does it every year, guys. In, in Fantasy Football Calculator, he's going as wide receiver 31. Are you kidding me? He is not going to finish as a wide receiver 31 in Fantasy. No way. I think he's he's safe coming back from his, his hip surgery. I'm confident in that recovery and that rehab. So if there's an injury dip in your league, you're, you can buy the discount. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, what th- this is what you have to look at when you're looking at Jarvis Landry. Our rankings, okay? We've talked about a bunch of guys. We always differ by like 5 to 10 spots. At least one of us is an outlier. Then you look at Jarvis Landry, 23, 22, 23 across the board. That is what Jarvis Landry is. He's a locked-in, low-end wide receiver two who, if he gets the touchdowns, which happens every now and again, mm-hmm. can be a high-end wide receiver two. I don't project it happening this year. I think Odell's going to step up in that department. Sure. But he's going to be between 15 and 24, especially in PPR, half-PPR leagues. Yep. He's just so safe. He's reliable, safe. He's a good receiver. Not going to be a top-five guy ever, nope. uh, but going to give you value, especially if he's going as a wide receiver 30. He's just, he is who he is. He's Jarvis Landry. And it's wonderful. And you want that consistency on your fantasy team. You don't need to be chasing someone that's going to have a wide receiver one ceiling with every pick that you make. Give me the just peanut butter and jelly sandwich that is Jarvis Landry, where it's just, (laughs) it does the job every single time. You're never left (laughs) disappointed. Like, just give me the PB&J for lunch. And move on because he's going to give you <laughs> wide receiver two numbers every week and probably have a few wide receiver one weeks as well because of touchdowns. He's fantastic for roster construction. I love it. Chase your upside with other players and get a few of those really consistent pieces like a Jarvis Landry on your roster. Absolutely love it. Could not agree more. So safe. Always outperforms ADP. Always undervalued. Always disrespected. The dude's a stud. Yes, please, wide receiver two all the time. 
Wide receiver 23 in our ranks, Calvin Ridley. Guys, he is the hype of the offseason. Everyone and their mother is talking about Calvin Ridley to the point where I'm just sick of it. To be I'm honest so with you. Like, done. I get it. He's good. He's a good route runner. He's entering the wide receiver three year where people break out. We know that the upside is there in this offense. I have him at 18. You guys have him at 26 and 25. But anyone out there, and I've said this before on the, on the show, anyone out there saying he's going to overtake Julio is just no, 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 yeah. no, no. Calvin Ridley is good. He is not great. He is a fine wide receiver, too. You guys are saying maybe flex kind of play this year. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You know, like you can't necessarily just take this guy and say, like, oh, he's done everything so far to this career. Now he's obviously taking another step forward. Well, everyone's projecting the step forward to be like a massive jump, like six floors up in the elevator. Like he's going to go one or two floors up. He's not going to go that high. I don't know, man. I'm sick of reading about Calvin Ridley. It just bums me out because I feel like he's going to be so high in drafts when, when the time comes that I won't have him anywhere. I won't have him. Yeah. You know what's funny is I'm so sick of it that it has affected my ranking <laughs> in that he's lower than I even think he should be because I'm so sick of it. I'm like, screw uh, you, Calvin Ridley. Uh, Go down to 26. Uh, get out of my face. Ridley. Yeah. Uh, I will probably get him closer to 20 by the time the season rolls around and I feel a little bit better and I'm done with my projections, which are much more, much less subjective than my, you know, knee jerk opinion. Right. He's going to be good. He's going to be solid. He's going to be a title locket kind of player, I think, who's going to be a back end yeah. wide receiver two that is a good player. But I don't think he's going to break into wide receiver one territory, certainly until Julio Jones is gone. Unless Matt Ryan is a QB one by a mile, that I don't think he can support what we know Julio is going to be, which is a 1,500 yard guy, and also give Calvin Ridley 1,208 or whatever people think yeah. he's going to get. So he's good. He's not good enough to go where he's going. The, Sorry, Calvin. The biggest thing that I'm seeing on Twitter, and I've seen it multiple times, and the hype train is just completely off the rails at this point, is people saying oh, that gone. Calvin Ridley is the next Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was the Mm-mm. wide receiver two behind Michael Thomas last year. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> just Don't. stop it. You just get out no. of my face with that. It's not happening. Julio Jones is still there, and people want to be like, well, but they have Mike Evans also in Tampa Bay. Well, they also had a quarterback that threw for 5,000 yards because he was throwing a pick on every five pass attempts. Like, it's not going to happen. He's not going to be that guy. He's going to be very fine. He's going to be perfectly <laughs> adequate. Is there a better insult than that? <laughs> very fine. He's going to be very He's gonna be fine. Very fine. He's going to be completely <laughs> acceptable on your fantasy team. <laughs> but he's not going to become a wide receiver one this year in fantasy. There is just not the stats there to back it up. It's not going to happen. The reason why we saw it in Tampa Bay last year is because they didn't have a running back at all that can catch. Guess what? Atlanta throws to their running backs, and they just brought in Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley is going to get a lot of targets. And they have tight ends that they like to throw to as well. It was literally just Chris Godwin and Mike Evans for the entire pass offense in Tampa Bay. That is not the same scheme that's taking place in Atlanta. It's not going to happen to support him having 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns or more than that because people think suddenly he's going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver. Guess what? Julio Jones is going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver, and it's not going to be his teammate Calvin Ridley. BT dubs for the people making the Godwin comparison. He is 19 pounds heavier than Calvin Ridley. Yeah. 
That's what makes him a wide receiver one. Yes. Calvin Ridley is a extremely good complimentary receiver. Absolutely. Who is going to be, you know, always in the wide receiver two conversation, but maybe never in the wide receiver one conversation. Depending he's gonna on be, when Julio He's going to be the next Jarvis Landry. I could see that. More yeah, likely than the I next so. Chris Godwin, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I like him. I want him on my roster, but... Guys, the ADP has been climbing. He is now at wide receiver 16, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Stupid. Above Robert Woods. Above AJ oh. Brown. You guys love Keenan Allen. He's above him. Stop He's it. above Tyler Lockett. He's above DJ Chark. Like, no. I can't. <laughs> He's I, I above, won't, I won't he's above Juju on 4 for 4. No freaking way. Come on. No way. No way. Um, would you guys sell him in, in Dynasty if you owned him? Yes. Right now? Yes. One of right. the easiest sells easy. in Dynasty, to be honest, because <laughs> Dynasty people love him more than anybody. How old is he you right now? You, do? you package, isn't he, isn't you package he... Drew Locke and Calvin Ridley, and you oh. get yourself a haul. You go get <laughs> yes. it, man. The ultimate sell-high package. Isn't, isn't, you go Ridley, get it. isn't Ridley 25 right now? He's sneaky Something old. Like that, yeah. Uh, uh, 25. Old. Yes, he'll be 26 in ne- during next season. He's going to be 26 in season. Julio Gross. Jones is there for four more seasons. He does not have a path to be a wide receiver one. He's going to be 29 by the time he's the number one target on his own offense. Stop it. Stop it. Get him out. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Get wrecked. All right, boys. Last wide receiver. We can wrap this up. We can be pretty quick with it. It's TK Metcalf. We talked about the wide receivers on uh, Seattle. We talked about the offense. We talked about why they're pulling back Tyler Lockett. The same is true for DK Metcalf. Yep. We saw him ascend last year in the second half of the season, as Okada said. And DK Metcalf, man, he, he's better than people give him credit for as far as being a good route runner, being a good wide receiver. The concerns about the injuries are not really there anymore the way they were in the NFL draft process. You know, he's got Russell Wilson. That's fantastic. I would prefer Tyler Lockett. I think this year it's it's Tyler Lockett. But next year, if you tell me DK Metcalf is the, the one on that team, I wouldn't be shocked. I like them both. Johnny Pooh, you me. are the biggest DK Metcalf truth on the planet, so I'm going to send it to Johnny you. Johnny Pooh? Yes, that's me. Um, at Johnny Pooh on Twitter. At Johnny Pooh on Twitter. Uh, don't Not surprising do that. considering that banner behind you, but... I feel like if you <laughs> if you look for at Johnny Pooh on Twitter, you probably are going to end up finding something that you don't want to find. So just don't... <laughs> Don't don't search for that. It's not me. I'm I'm right. I'm about to find out right now. No, you're not. I'm right there. At Dynasty Beard for the, for the people out there Beard. listening in their podcast app. If you're not on YouTube, you're doing it wrong. So DK Metcalf oh, yes. for me. Um, everyone put the three code in time. Um, they don't think that he has lateral agility, and he does. And they think that he only runs a nine route because it's all he did in college because that's all that the scheme wanted him to do. It's not that he didn't work on running other routes or that he's not a complete wide receiver. He is all those things. To start the season, they pretty much lined him up in Seattle on the left side and had him run either goes, corners, or posts. Like, that's basically what he started the year with. As the year went on, that route tree got much more complex for him. They started lining him up all over the field on both sides They started giving him the full route tree, and guess what? He did really, really well at it. This guy is someone that can run routes. He and A.J. Brown should be viewed in the same tier talent-wise in terms of who they are as wide receivers. They are both physical specimens. They are freaks. They are great with the ball in their hands. They know how to finish. How many times? There's a few where he got the ball inside the 10-yard line. Straight up would not be denied to get to the end zone. Like, he knows how to finish a play and has the, like, old school prototypical nose for the end zone 
phrase that's super cliche in the NFL, but it's true. Like, he knows how to score. The only thing holding him back, again, is that offense in Seattle. I do think that he takes over as being the number one target on this offense, especially when it comes to scoring opportunities, which is why I have him ranked higher than Tyler Lockett. I think that their target share could be very, very similar. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if Tyler Lockett has more targets, but in terms of the money plays, in terms of in the red zone, in terms of the ability to score, he's basically a tight end um, with his size. 6'4", 228, I think he's listed at, if I remember right. Big dude. Um, And he can jump, and he's got hands, and he's a mismatch on a corner. He's a mismatch on a linebacker. You just can't guard this guy. They're going to learn how to use him very well in the red zone. So I think that that touchdown production is going to exceed Tyler Lockett by quite a bit, which is why I have him ranked higher than Tyler Lockett in my in my, uh, in my ranks. Uh, I'm three spots behind Lockett. There's a chance that changes between now and the season. I don't think it's super likely because I do still think that Lockett is a little bit more well-rounded and has a little bit better, well, a lot better rapport with Russell Wilson, but that can get better for Metcalf. I will say... When I read those earlier stats for his end of the season, I didn't even include his playoff game against the Eagles. That thing was disgusting. Go Dirty. back and watch that Eagles game. Sorry, Matt. Seven catches on nine targets for 160 yards and a touchdown, including that that game-ending play that just finished them Iced off. It, man. Just yeah, yeah, it was he, just a hammer. I mean, he just basically the beat elbow. the Eagles. Um, and he I played him really in DFS good that, that week, game. by the way. So that was fun. <laughs> good. Hey, well, I mean, it was a great play. And to be fair, <laughs> the Eagles secondary is trash, so right. don't expect yeah. him to get 160 yards every game this year. But right. I will say, when you're looking at playoff numbers, I always take running back playoff numbers with a grain of salt and bring it back because running backs and the running game tends to dominate in the playoffs a little bit more. But if a receiver goes off for 160 yards as a rookie, which, by the way, I believe is the highest ever by a rookie in a playoff it was. game. It was a record. Yeah. You t- got to take notice of that. Nope. DK has stepped up at the end of last year in a way that gives me big hopes for him. I, I This is probably a guy who's going to climb in my rankings a little bit. I don't know how high I'll get him, but expect him to be near wide receiver two territory for me for sure. Like it. All right, boys. Fantastic show. Uh, top 24 wide receivers now in the books. If you're looking for the top 12, go back one episode. We talked about those on the last show. We have tight ends coming up on the next show. And then we're going full-blown dynasty mode, guys. If you want more redraft content, obviously you can find our content on ballblastfootball.com. You can also find uh, Patreon content at patreon.com slash ballblast. DFS, betting, uh, rankings, projections, all that stuff is going to be there very, very soon. And if you want even more redraft content, just go listen to the Ball Blast podcast, guys. It's going to be fantastic. Check it out with Kate and Michelle, uh, now our partners, and we love them. Cannot wait to support their their products and be really all in on Ball Blast football. It's going to be fantastic. 2020. So we're going to go all right, boys. We're gonna go 36 deep at tight end, right? Isn't that the uh Oh, the absolutely. Plan? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Making sure. I think we might just do a top 50, you know, make sure. it easy. Why not? <laughs> nice round number. <laughs> Jesse yeah. James coming we'll in hot. For, <laughs> we'll be here for six hours that day. <laughs> Good lord, man. Uh, no, we are back with top 12 tight ends for redraft leagues, and then we're going to switch to dynasty formats. Until then, until next time, I am at the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Matt Okada. John is at Dynasty Beard, and the show is at Richards FF Pod. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod, and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.